Welcome to Animal Health Insights. This podcast was created to connect producers, veterinarians, and animal owners, and to introduce you to the people and the organizations who are working to support animal health in Canada. Our podcast is developed with the support of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Todd. Let's get started. With foaling season upon us, it is the perfect time to ensure the best health and infection prevention practices are in place to ensure our mares have a hopefully easy foaling and produce the healthiest offspring possible. Newborn and young foals are full of spirit, but as all horses seem to be, they are delicate creatures. The first few months of a foal's life can be challenging as their immune systems develop. Even in ideal situations, they may face bacterial or viral infections that can make or break their future health. Dr. Ashley Whitehead, a veterinary internal medicine specialist and an associate professor in equine clinical sciences at the University of Calgary, has a passion for all things related to foal health and chats with us today to review how we can optimize foal immunity in this critical first few months of life. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Whitehead, today on Animal Health Insights. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's start then with a bit of a quick review about what the ideal mare's health status looks like before she foals. What steps can mare owners take during gestation to help ensure their mare will produce a healthy foal? Great question. We always start with the mare because she is the one that's going to set us up to have a healthy foal right from the get-go. So mares, when we're thinking about their health status, one of the things is going to be their nutrition and their body condition score. So making sure that she's not overly plump, shall we say, or not too thin. We want to have a kind of that body condition score that's kind of in that six out of nine range, um, usually, so that they're not going to have issues during foaling, which obese mares tend to have more issues during the foaling process. And they're not too thin that they can't support the growth of the foal while it's in utero and then produce milk. So nutrition is really important to set that foal up for a good start. And that nutrition starts with the mare. The next one to think about is our vaccinations. And so hopefully we plan this full and we can do a full series of vaccinations. And these are going to depend on whether the mare has been previously vaccinated before or if she's not. But usually we start to get into those vaccines for some of our core vaccines. So things like tetanus. Um, Eastern and Western equine encephalomyelitis. We also think about West Nile and rabies. And so we try and have for most of these four to six weeks before the mare is anticipated to full to have those as long as she's already had her boosters prior. So she's already had some a little bit different if she hasn't. And then we also have to think about some of the risk-based vaccines. And that really depends on where you are located as well as what is available. So for example, equine herpes, we usually do a three-dose series during the pregnancy. So at five, seven, and nine months of pregnancy. And that's really important because we can have abortions during pregnancy related to herpes. And so we're trying to help out to prevent those um, abortions that they may happen if we tend to think of herpes as a respiratory or sometimes a neurologic virus, but it can also have abortions associated with it. 
Then there are some other ones that may happen. Rotavirus is one that some veterinarians may have access to the rotavirus vaccine, and that's a, a disease that caused diarrhea in foals. And so having those antibodies to the foal is really important. And they're going to get those antibodies from the mare. And so the mare having a high antibody titer um, from the vaccine is really important for the health of the foal coming up. And then another area that we think about is the parasite, so deworming of the mare. And so mares should be treated um, during their pregnancy, like most other adults, in that they are dewormed based on fecal egg count. So looking at what is actually in the mare's manure and making sure that they have the appropriate deworming protocol during pregnancy and always checking with the veterinarian to make sure that the dewormers that you're using are safe during pregnancy. Most of them are, but it's really, it's still important to check to make sure those. Having that general health of the mare, getting her ready for that foal to arrive is really going to be key to get that immunity in the foal off to a good start soon as they're out. I suppose, though, that by this point in the season, foals are falling on the ground every day. So if some of those steps haven't happened, it may be a bit too late to do anything about it. But what kinds of things could mare owners and their veterinarians do now to prepare for a foaling, just to positively affect the health of any of those foals that they're expecting? Yeah, so, and that does happen sometimes, you know, we've, we get a new mare onto the property and and we don't know the history or they may not have known that they were pregnant. There are certainly situations where that preparation isn't there and they may be at a less than ideal body condition. We may not have had those vaccines before. And so we're going to work as much as we can to get the mayor health up to that high standard. But then we can also, and I think this is important, whether or not, you know, we're talking last minute at the moment here, but there's still a lot of preparations that we can do on the farm that's going to help us to create an environment for a healthy foal. And so when you think about where is the foal going to be born, we want to make sure that this is a clean area. It's dedicated to that foaling. We've got it all disinfected and everything's ready. We're going to want to make sure that we have disinfectants already purchased so that we can clean the area once the foal is born. In those following areas, we're going to want to make sure that any new arrivals onto the property are are far away from our broodmare because they could potentially be bringing in um, something that could affect the mare or cause an abortion or affect the foal. So having that isolation available. We're also, I talked a little bit about disinfecting, but this is um, something that can be hugely important in that early time after the foal is born, in fact, to prevent disease. So before the mare gives birth, we want to clean the back legs, clean the udder, um, get the mare used to us touching her udder, clean around um, the hind end, and then do that again right after the, the foal is born. And that's going to reduce all of the bacteria and different pathogens that may be just sitting in the hair on the mare. And we know that that foal is going to be licking that area, looking for the udder. We've seen tremendous improvements on farms that have had diarrhea, especially associated with clostridium, with the udder hygiene. So cleaning that udder, having it uh, nice and clean, and then once a day after birth to continue to clean those. 
And thinking about, you know, your environment, if you're using that hose and you're putting it into your bucket to fill the water and it's just gone down the hallway with all the other horses, even the new horses or maybe a sick horse, that's creating kind of that potential for passing something onto a foal that's coming. So just thinking the word for that is our biosecurity on our farm in preparation. And then also having prepared all of our supplies for the foaling, making sure you have the umbilical dip that's ready for when your foal comes out, making sure you have clean towels, and of course, having the veterinarian's phone number and having a discussion with the veterinarian that this is what you're expecting in the near future so that they they have an idea of what's coming to your farm as well. And so it's really about that preparation of your farm, what you can do for your mare and getting ready to have this newborn who's going to be exposed to a lot of different environmental ideal and less than ideal conditions once it comes out. What are the most common types of infections that newborn or very young foals may experience? Really, any of the body systems of the foal can have an infection. So an infection would be um, from some kind of bacteria or virus or parasite that's that's affecting that foal. Some of the most common ones is we can have respiratory or the lungs. We can have the gastrointestinal system or GI, so within the stomach, the intestines. And then the umbilicus is actually another area where we can see a lot of issues because that's where the um, umbilical cord breaks and we have a little stump right on the bottom of the belly, the abdomen, and that's kind of open to the environment and they're laying down. And if you think about things, foals have to be up and moving quite quickly and they are in an environment that is going to inherently have a whole lot of dust and debris and, and dirt and uh, manure, unlike a human or a small animal like a cat or a dog that are in a nice clean environment in a house, um, this is going to be an outside animal and they are exposed to a lot of that when they're laying around and, and they, as we all know, foals like to lick and touch everything with their mouths. And then the last area that's actually fairly common is to have joint um, issues in foals um, associated with mostly bacterial infections. When in their young lives do we usually see clinical signs that might be associated with these kinds of infections? And what signs of concern could a horse owner keep an eye out for? Really, in our foals, it can happen any time from the moment they're they're born that we can start to see infection. And that really goes back to if the infection occurred, uh, if the foal got infected while it was within the mare and it crossed the placenta, they can actually come out sick and already be affected. This is something that we want to keep a close eye on right from the beginning from them. We're going to want to make sure that we are looking for is the foal like getting up? Is, are they meeting milestones? So when we look at any kind of foaling, we have a one, two, three rule. The one is one hour for the foal to stand. The two is that they are nursing by two hours. And then three is that the mare has passed her placenta. And those three things um, in that immediate time after they are born can tell us about the health of the foal, because even as we talked about the placenta can cause an infection to the foal and that may change the mare's ability to expel it. 
when we're looking at fools, they should be active and vigorous. We've all seen them running around and kicking their heels up quite quickly after they stand. They should be nursing really well. And then we have to start to think about things that we can monitor over the next couple of days, including those body temperature. So having a rectal temperature that may go up, it may go down as well. Whether they're seeming to be drinking enough and maintaining their hydration, they tend to hide a little bit if they're dehydrated. But if they're, you know, starting to have their eyes that are uh, looking a little sunken, that's a really good thing to notice that we need to address right away that they're defecating and passing their meconium, which is the first manure, and that they're not straining when they're urinating or defecating. And then watching their umbilicus, um, that there isn't anything that's dripping, it's not getting hot or swollen. And then something as easy as watching their respiratory rate, if they're all of a sudden panting or they're having really fast respiratory rate, that of course would be abnormal as well. So it's really about watching for any changes and being aware of any of those changes because the faster that we pick something up and get it addressed, the better outcome that we're gonna have for fools. They tend to go downhill quite quickly and time is of the essence in most cases. Equine veterinarians recommend a new foal exam usually within the first 24 hours of birth. You might have gotten into this a little bit there, but can you explain why this timeline is important and what steps this mare and full check should include? We really recommend that in that first 24 hours, so about the 24-hour mark, that we have an exam with the veterinarian of the foal. Um, it's not going to be possible in all cases, but as an ideal situation, that would be what I would recommend. And it's going to do a couple things. One, we're going to be able to discuss with you how things went during the foaling, be able to identify anything about the history that may make us a little bit concerned for the foal coming up in the next few days or weeks. We're going to assess the full head to toe to make sure that the health looks good and there are no abnormalities that aren't really kind of flashing lights from afar, but look, listening and, and looking really closely on them. We usually pick the 24-hour mark because what that does is it allows us a chance to um, take some blood to look at what's called the IgG or the immunoglobulin G, which is an antibody test. And that is going to tell us about how well the foal has nursed and taken the colostrum that the mare has produced. So the very first milk is a colostrum and it's really sticky and it's a little bit um, yellower than, than the regular milk. And that's really high in antibodies. And that is the immunity that the foal is getting. They don't have their own antibodies at that point. They need the mare's antibodies. And those are actually absorbed through the gut into the bloodstream directly without being digested. And that first 24 hours is when that gut allows those antibodies to come through the wall of the intestine. And so after 24 hours, they're not going to absorb more antibodies and the mare has usually stopped producing the high levels of them in their milk. And so by taking the blood between that 18 to 24 hours, we have an idea of how well the immune system is set up and we can make recommendations and treatments to address that right away at that point. We're also going to look for any kind of congenital defects. So whether that's in the heart or in the eyes, or are the limbs crooked in any way that might need addressing early on? 
And then we're also going to assess the mare and make sure that everything's looking good on her because we, we tend to focus a lot on the foal in that immediate postpartum or after birth time. But the mare needs to maintain that health that we were talking about earlier um, in order to support the foal and to make sure that she's producing the best quality milk for our foal to get the nutrition. And a little bit more with those legs that I mentioned, they can be crooked and sometimes those crooked legs will affect the foal's ability to stand up or they may be painful. And so that will affect its nursing. And so having someone else to help out right at the beginning there, we won't get behind on some of the nursing and the energy levels that are associated with maintaining that good nutrition right off. So it's really important to have that check to be able to then assess all of these things that are coming along and make decisions on if we need to do any further testing um, to help out or even to decide whether we need to send them to a clinic or do something on a little bit more of a, an emergency basis. And I mentioned the mayor and that also means the placenta. So the placenta is where the bowl, while it was in utero, was getting all of its nutrition. And I said that it can sometimes pass disease through or if its health is not great. And we can actually tell a lot from the placenta. And so saving that placenta keeping it in a nice bag somewhere cool until the veterinarian comes, maybe not outside in the middle of summer if it's really hot. That's never a fun thing to evaluate. But being able to have a look at it with your veterinarian to decide if there's anything else that we need to do for the foal if we think there may have been some infection there. I know it was always a battle to try and uh, grab that placenta before either the mare or the farm dog gets to, <laughs> gets to it. Exactly. But it gives us so much good information. And uh, it also helps with our, our mare health to make sure that we have all of the pieces of it out um, so that she doesn't get an infection from having those pieces if they are left inside of her uterus. You mentioned how important colostrum intake is for the health and the immune system of the foal. How exactly do we know if the foal got the right amount of colostrum? And then what do we do if they didn't? So that blood test that I was talking about for the IgG, for those antibodies, sometimes you'll hear it called a snap test, and that's just the type of test because we snap it down. But it's actually a really fancy test in ELISA, which is made to be done stall side, which makes it a lot easier. There's also other ones that look at, um, you put it in little machines, or we're getting all sorts of different ones that we can do either on farm or back at the clinic. That's really important to know what level of antibody we have. And depending on the results that come back, some of them will say this is complete failure of the transfer of the antibodies. So that failure may have come from the mare didn't produce enough, the foal didn't drink enough, something went wrong in any of those parts of it, and the foal's blood doesn't have high enough levels. The next category that we have is partial failure of that transfer of antibodies. And again, that could be either of the full issues or the mare issues. And that's where it's a little bit of the middle ground. And I'll talk a bit more about that in a second. And the last category is they have adequate transfer of passive immunity. And what I mean by passive immunity is that instead of the full creating its own antibodies, that they're actually those antibodies, as I said, coming from the mare to populate the foal's blood. That's what passive antibodies mean, or passive transfer, you may have heard that before. So when we have complete 
failure of that transfer of immunity, we really have to do something that's going to get those levels up. There's a couple different ways. If we are early in that first 24 hours when the gut is still open, as they call it, where it can accept those, then we may provide colostrum from another mare that we bank. So there are some colostrum banks. Some clinics also collect colostrum and freeze it so that it's available for those. And that may be in cases where the mare has passed away and we have an orphan. Maybe the mare isn't producing much colostrum at all. Maybe the foal wasn't nursing great at the beginning. Um, so these are ones that we have to identify fairly early while it's still open. And that 24-hour check may be a bit late to identify that. We really have to get the antibodies in and then actually administering antibodies straight into the blood through a plasma transfusion, which is taking the part of a blood of an adult horse that contains antibodies and giving that to the foal. And the majority of times, this will be a frozen product that is purchased by the veterinarian because then we can ensure that it's a really high quality with no bacteria in there. Sometimes our option is only to take that blood from a horse from the farm and try and take off as much of the plasma as we can to give to the foals. It just depends on the situation that we're in. When we're in the middle ground of partial failure of that transfer of the antibodies, then we have to make decisions as well, because usually those we identify at that 24-hour mark, we haven't, uh, in a lot of the cases, seen that this was coming, you know, everything looked good, and then we have to decide you know, how healthy is the foal? What is the environment? What's the history of other foals on the farm? Have they had issues? Have we had an infectious disease go through? And it really is a, a cost-benefit discussion that has to have the, with the veterinarian um, to decide if we're going to go with that plasma, the transfusion for that foal. So do you have any suggestions then, or maybe some tips on how to ensure that foals actually take in appropriate amounts of colostrum. I know it can be so tricky, you know, with a foal that is has, has difficulty latching on. Sometimes a maiden mare might not stand well for the foal to suckle. Uh, sometimes they get pretty crabby as well uh, after foaling. So any helpful hints here, Dr. Whitehead? It's always frustrating when we have that one that just doesn't seem to want to latch. And usually, you know, that two hour mark that we said for two hours to nurse is when we need to start be looking at, is there something that is causing this? Because it could be that they have a congenital, so something that was there at birth issue with maybe the mouth or the palate that they can't suck. Maybe they're too weak to be able to get a good suckle. Maybe they're too sore because their limbs have that kind of crookedness to it. And so the pain is too much and they don't want to stand and put their head under the mare. So we really have to look at the health of the foal. And if we're getting to that point after two hours and then we're getting to three hours and things still aren't, then having a discussion right away with the veterinarian to come out and look at that foal because we don't want them to get dehydrated and they need the energy right away to keep up with all of the stuff that's happening in that first 24 hours. Now, there is some fabulous people who can get any foal to nurse. I think that they're, they're kind of my foal whispers and we have some of those at the clinic that I work with. A lot of times it just takes a lot of dedication on our owners to continue to encourage the foal, bring them to the udder. And this is after, you know, making sure that they don't have anything else wrong. 
Some people will go to bottle feeding and that may be mare's milk from their own mare or from another mare or maybe the frozen mare's milk. A lot of cautions around bottle feeding because we a lot of foals will actually, instead of putting the milk down their esophagus, they can actually inhale it and cause an aspiration pneumonia from that. So I'm always very cautious to introduce a bottle. I really want them to get onto the mare is going to be our best option. But sometimes it's actually the mare that we have issues with. With the mare, she may be too anxious. We maybe have to help her to release that milk down. And so this is actually something that you can do in that pre-period is get the mare used to having her udder touched before the foal is there, especially if she's a maiden mare, so that she doesn't get anxious around it. But we may need to consider helping out with a little bit of tranquilizer to allow the mare to settle if this is really upsetting to her. Or even sometimes we have to decide if she's not producing a lot of milk to actually help her with a drug in order to create more milk. But that takes a couple days, and so we always have to address that foal's nutrition right away. And that may mean that we have to have the veterinarian come out and give some of that milk by tube to get the energy leveled back up so that the foal is strong enough to nurse again on its own. I know any equine veterinarian knows that the health of what we call a dummy foal can be really difficult to manage. Could you explain what a dummy foal is and how we can support their health? Yeah, so a dummy foal is kind of a, a general term that we call the foals that they just don't seem like they're quite right. So they, they don't know where that udder is. They're walking everywhere. They're sucking on the wall. They're sucking on the mare's front leg. They aren't getting to the udder all the way to they can't even stand. And sometimes what I've explained this to, to owners is that it's like the foal came out a little too early and they aren't yet ready to come out of the oven and the, as the bun. They're a little bit underdone in terms of their ability to survive and thrive with this animal that has to get up, nurse, and run right away. Dummy foals, a long time, we, we actually called these hypoxic ischemic foals, which is the fancy way of saying that they didn't have enough oxygen during the birthing process. But we've actually recently learned a lot more about some of our dummy foals is that it actually has to do with the hormones levels. And when they come through the birth canal, it actually squeezes them and allows them to change. It's kind of a signal for them to change the levels of their hormones, which then changes them from being a quiet foal in utero that's not kicking so hard that it, it hurts the mom to a foal that is now fully awake and aware. When we have a dummy foal, they aren't aware of what's going on. And we've been, you know, in the mild cases, sometimes we do what's called a, a squeeze, where we use a rope to actually squeeze the foal to simulate that birthing procedure and help to change the hormone levels. But when we have those really severe ones that may have multiple different issues and they really weren't ready to come out yet, um, they're not quite there yet, then we have to do a lot of care for them in the hospital because we're doing all of their needs for them. We're giving them the oxygen. We're giving them the food. We're, we have to manage them just like a premature baby, even though they aren't premature, where we are in an intensive care situation for them identifying foals that aren't quite right, or they may be, you know, you just 
looking at them going, this doesn't seem like a normal fool, identifying them early and having the veterinarian out and assessing them, we can start to support them so that they don't go downhill from there because that can happen quite quickly and making sure that we get, you know, nutrition and all of the other good things into them right away. I feel like I'm just going down a, a long, long list here of potential full complications, but occasionally we may also have something like an orphan foal where the mare dies during birth, for example, or that the foal basically can't be raised with a certain mare. What steps can the horse owner and the veterinarian take in that case to help get an orphan foal maybe accepted by a nurse mare or a perhaps to bottle raise an orphan foal if that's how things end up going. I know it is a ton of work, but we still want that foal to be healthy at the end of the day. Exactly. And we've talked so many things that can go wrong in foals, and they all kind of relate down to this foal not getting enough of the basics and getting some kind of infection come in. We want to make sure that we have the healthiest foal, and obviously having the mare is the best option. We have a lot better protocols now than when I first graduated 20 years ago that we, in order to help the mares accept, if we were to have a different mare, accept an orphan fool, so the nurse mare. Some mares are just really good mares and they'll take them right away, especially if they recently lost um, a fool of a similar age range. Sometimes we can even induce mares to start to produce milk and accept a foal, even though they weren't pregnant at all. And so that's it's pretty incredible that we can do that and help um, the foals be in a normal kind of environment with a, a dam. If we do have to go to a situation where we aren't able to get uh, that foal with a mare, we can raise healthy, happy foals that way as well. As you said, it is a little bit more work. Foals that we have to provide the milk, it's a little unlikely that you're going to have enough milk from, you know, another mare to, to provide to those foals. So we usually end up having to go to a milk replacer in those. And even once I've seen a foal that got its nutrition from a nanny goat. So the goat would jump up onto a hay bale and the foal would come and nurse from that nanny goat, um, which was quite quite amazing. Um, but most of the time we do go with uh, full replacement milk. And there is a couple really good ones that we have on the market. And whether that's in a pail, which is usually the easiest one, because then foals like to drink multiple time with short periods. They're not quite like a calf that's going to have only drink kind of twice a day. They like to have multiple small meals. So if they, we can get them in drinking from a bucket, that's going to be a lot easier on us and has a little bit less of those risks that I was talking about with the bottle. Some of them that's not going to be possible and we do do a bottle. And then we really have to be very cognizant of the full and how fast they're growing because sometimes we can actually give them too much nutrition and we don't want to have some of those growth related issues with their joints or bones. But we can definitely make an environment where we can keep them healthy as an orphan. And there are lots of resources that are coming out to help owners to successfully do that. Despite our best efforts, horses, of course, will still be horses. And we may see some foals that are sick. Are there any specific parameters that the horse breeder can use to know when they should be calling the vet out? What clinical signs are the most worrisome or critical? Yeah, so we've talked about quite a few of these and they tend to go along this recurring theme. 
they're laying down more, they're lethargic, they're not wanting to nurse. A couple that we haven't really talked about is that they're straining. So either straining to urinate or defecate, or they're limping in any way. And that limping could be related to a joint issue, which would be quite serious, or it could be related to that crooked leg, the angular limb deformity or flexural deformity, you might hear it called as well. And so because foals can change so quickly, this is where having our eyes on them and, and making sure that we're keeping track of how they're doing is really important. Seeing them every couple days, probably something could happen in that time and we wouldn't know um, because this can be sometimes within hours. And so especially if you have any concerns kind of coming up, they had a long foaling or the mare had an issue with her placenta or all of those things, we need to keep an even closer eye on them. And it never hurts to ask the questions. So we all have lots of resources and hopefully people that can help us out. And keeping the veterinarian in that list of resources is important. If the veterinarian does need to do some testing on the foal to assess for illness, what samples are the most valuable if we need to do some diagnostics? Our best diagnostic test that we have is our physical exam because it's going to tell us about the whole foal and it's going to tell us about what's going on. When we start to pare down into the different body systems from that information from the physical exam, then it's going to help guide us to make the most economically feasible. So what's in our budget diagnostic test, but also what diseases are most common in those different body systems. And what's interesting is that depending on what your area you're in, you're going to have different common diseases. Um, so I used to practice in Ontario and now I'm in Alberta and there's actually some differences in what we see in foals in those different areas. So that will make a difference as well. Blood is of course one of our first ones. Having an idea from our blood in terms of the red blood cells and white blood cells tells us a lot about the health and infection tends to have changes in our white blood cells which are part of our immunity. And then another one is actually urine, which is hugely useful for determining how well the foal is hydrated, because I mentioned before that they can hide their dehydration. And when they get the sunken eyes, they're actually quite dehydrated by that point. And so we can tell the level of hydration by collecting just a sample of urine as they're passing it. And then we're going to go into those very specific testing, collecting samples. It may be manure, it may be swabs of different areas, it may be if we have a joint issue collecting joint fluid, and those could go to a whole range of tests from culturing bacteria to looking at the actual parts of the DNA of different kinds of uh, bacteria or viruses or looking for specific parasites. So we, we always start with that physical exam to help guide us into the direction that we need to, to collect for it. And, and then we have all sorts of other stuff like ultrasound and x-rays. And luckily, Foals being smaller, we have actually a lot more tools than we do on their adult counterparts. I know the clinical condition of a foal may deteriorate rapidly if they're ill, and it is very important for horse owners to be able to make informed treatment decisions. But all I can think of talking about testing is, you know, just how expensive it can get very quickly if foals need hospitalization, intravenous medications, and other supportive care. 
How can we improve outpatient care options for foals that may not be able to be hospitalized at a referral facility? Is there any kind of good middle ground here? There, there definitely is, depending on the situation that we're in. And this is really where I try and talk to my owners before we have the foal to think about, you know, the economics of it. Where there's also kind of a cost of emotions and we've waited all this time, 341 days for this foal to come out. We've invested time, we've invested energy. So what are our plans if this foal gets sick? Because some, as you mentioned, these can get really expensive and we have to make some hard decisions on how much diagnostics and how much treatment and how much care can we do. So having those discussions before we even have the foal on the ground to me is really important. And that will help your veterinarian as well to make decisions on if we have something minor, do we deal with that? You know, we deal with that immediately. If it looks like it could go bad, do we refer it to a facility that has in-hospital patients earlier? Because everything with foals, you kind of getting the sense, the earlier we identify and treat it, the better options we have and prognosis we have that the foal is going to survive and be able to thrive in what it was intended for. If we know that that foal is not going to be referred to a clinic, then we start to make different decisions on what we're going to treat and how we can treat it on farm. Because we know that those are going to be different levels that we can do. But, you know, we can give fluids, one-time fluids, or come back and do fluids on the farm. We can start on oral antibiotics versus IV or intravenous antibiotics that would happen in the clinic. And so we always have to make those decisions based on the client's context, the animal context, as well as, you know, sometimes referral is not even an option because it's too far away. So what can we do here that is feasible for this foal, knowing that we may not have a good outcome and with those really low outcomes, you could be spending a lot of money and and unfortunately the fool doesn't make it. So we have to make a lot of really hard decisions and that's where being a team with your veterinarian and thinking about it beforehand can really help to make good decisions when you're in a really stressed time and it's really hard to make decisions as we know when it's just a big emotion with what's going on with this fool. So I wonder then, Dr. Whitehead, maybe you could give us a bit of a summary as to what the most critical steps would be that you as a, an equine specialist would like mare and foal owners to take to ensure the health of their foals this year. So I think I can almost sum it up as being prepared. <laughs> and so being prepared, our mare, so having the mare having a good body condition, so nutrition, having those vaccinations that are ready being prepared in terms of her udder, her, so having it clean and the environment that leads into making sure that the fulling environment is good, all the way down to making sure that we're prepared to have that veterinarian out and have that exam to make sure that we have good immunity, being prepared in case we don't have good colostrum. So do we know where we can get some colostrum do we need to put some money aside to make sure that we can afford the plasma if that is a situation that we need to do? 
it's really about looking at potential things that can just little things that can add up to that healthy full and being prepared for them in advance. And as we said at the beginning, we may not always have the time to prepare if we didn't know the mare was pregnant or things have happened really late in the process. But having a good dialogue with your veterinarian will help out to get that assistance if that's needed. Thank you so much, Dr. Whitehead, for joining me today on Animal Health Insights and for sharing your significant expertise here regarding full health and immunity. For more information, we will share some full health and immunity links and resources on our CAS podcast page and our equine network page at CAS.ca. Thanks for joining us. The Animal Health Insights podcast is a production of the Canadian Animal Health Surveillance System. CAS is a division of Animal Health Canada and it is broad-based support from livestock sectors and government. CAS brings together data and information from across Canada in order to demonstrate animal health and to guide planning on national animal health priorities. Effective disease surveillance can demonstrate the health of our animals, and it enables prompt action to minimize the negative impacts of disease. Funding is provided through the Agri-Assurance Program under the Canadian Agricultural Partnership, a federal-provincial territorial initiative.